We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 22nd, 2009. And today's topics that we're going to be covering, our table of contents, uh, first one we're going to be talking about is Trinity Broadcasting Network, or TBN's, uh, children's program that's called Smile of the Child receives special con- consultative status with the United Nations. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, going to give you another update on the free energy uh, magnetic devices that I mentioned last week. The next one is Coca-Cola leads the Copenhagen cheering section for the One World Climate Change Taxes. Next article is Obama greenlights the Arab land, land grab but Israel threatens retaliation if UN approves Palestinian state. And then the entertainment industry's war against God, the movie Legion, exposed. Uh, then the Jews raise millions to be ready for the coming, who they to believe the coming Messiah, but it'll actually be the Antichrist. And then bird mishap, as in a bird with wings, is the latest in a series of unfortunate events that have befallen the world's largest particle accelerator, CERN. And then Intelligent Design and the Raelian Movement Lie. The next one is the Obelisk, the Church Steeple, and uh, the Pagan Masonic Symbol. And the last one is Why I Murdered 13 American Soldiers at Fort Hood. Nadal Hassan explains it all to you, actually in his own words, essentially. So we're going to be looking at those topics today, so let's go ahead and get started here. And the first one I mentioned is the Trinity Broadcast Network uh, Children's Program, Smile of the Child, has now received special um, consultative status with the UN, the United Nations. This is Trinity Broadcasting Network. With a great pleasure, uh, this is from, uh, it's from a, this is a UN announcement. I got this right off their website. And have the links to all this. The PDF will be available in conjunction with this teaching up on uh, sermonaudio.com forward slash D-R-S-C-O-T-T-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Uh, it will eventually be on, available also on contendingfortruth.com. But uh, the uh, PDFs will, will, will be up there, so you can go up there and research these subjects further uh, if you like. <clears throat> this announcement from the United Nations, with great pleasure we wish to announce that the smile of the child, this children's program, has just received special consultative status with the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations. The Economic and Social Council is the principal organ of the United Nations to coordinate economic, social, and related work. Significantly, the Council is responsible for formulating policy recommendations addressed to member states and the United Nations system. Now, I went up on TBN's website, and it had an announcement, and I'm going to read you a quote from that. It says that at its December 24, 2005 launch, the Smile of the Child Network will be available immediately in 13 major markets via digital multicasting with rapid growth expected across the U.S. through cable editions and other broadcast outlets worldwide. Additionally, it will be available live on the web via uh, video streaming. So we have here the uh, <clears throat> United Nations and Trinity Broadcasting Network essentially teaming up. Now, this information was not very easy to find. This isn't something where 
uh, TBN is going to come out and, <laughs> you know, make a lot of announcements regarding this. But <clears throat> the uh, quote that I'd read you from before was straight off the United Nations. It was an announcement from them. And so we see in order to have the coming one world religious system, all of the major religions in the world have to get on the same page. And I'm not talking about true born-again Bible-believing Christianity. I'm talking about the pseudo-Christianity um, that is very prevalent in the modern-day, uh, I guess you'd call it, Christian movements. And, you know, Catholics would be lumped in with that in, in you know, uh, Orthodox, and a lot of, of obviously different denominations. There's thousands, literally, that say that they have a Christian base. TBN is probably... As far as the money being spent and and the weight that they carry is probably one of the major arms, particularly of the Pentecostal movement, because they tend to promote a lot of people like you know Benny Hinn and uh, Kenneth Copeland and Hagen and 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 then a lot of other people that that are new on the scene that I can't hardly even keep up with all the apostate movements that are out there. Not to say that every single person that's ever been on TBN is apostate, but if uh, you know you're up on TBN, if they're promoting you, generally speaking, you know you're going to be yoked up with the whole 501c3 system, and that in and of itself compromises you to a great degree. And you could do a whole study on that if we went down that rabbit trail. But I just thought it was interesting that the United Nations, which is really the coming essence of the one world government, one world political system, one world religious system, one world economy, currency that is coming that is specifically promoting Maitreya, who they call Lord Maitreya, as their coming teacher, uh, is now teaming up with TBN. They're all going to have to get on the same page at one point or another. It has to happen. I mean, this should be something we should be expecting. This confirms the Bible, uh, that there's going to be a great falling away, and that the Lord is going to send the strong delusion. And we're going to be talking about that today, as we pretty much do on an every. Uh, every week basis. And really what this does is it just confirms the Bible. And if anybody was, let's say, on the uh, on the fence regarding these issues, the one thing that I will say that's happening in today's day and age is that it's so flagrant now with what's going on in the pseudo-churches that there really shouldn't be any more vacillating. If somebody was on the fence regarding, well, should I be doing this or should I be sending my money to these organizations because a lot of people they send their they send their uh, their donations tithes whatever you want to call it and I mean I saw a documentary on Benny Hinn where he had donators that were up to a hundred thousand dollars per year over a hundred thousand dollars per year and I believe he had way more than one of them so there's people that are liter- literally giving I mean these these ministries are taking in millions and millions and millions of dollars and I'm not saying that they don't do any good, like if, let's say, they're feeding the orphans or something of this nature. But if they start working with the government, with the United Nations, they're going to be uh, nothing more than part of the problem. And really, to a huge extent, that's all they are anyway, because they're, they're bringing forth a false gospel. Um, they're, they're, not, um, they're generally teaching a gospel... And again, it's, I don't want to broad brush this too much because then I'm speaking for every single person that goes on TBN. But it is another gospel. 
that they're essentially preaching. They're going to—they're being, you know, yoked up with the Rick Warrens of the world and the Paul and Jan Crouches and and um, this gospel that many times, just like the Catholics, is based on works. And, you know, if I do this and if I do that, and that makes me a good Christian and therefore I'm saved. This, th- things of this nature. And uh, I've done a whole teaching on salvation, the clear biblical precepts of it, that if you want to uh, keyword search that. Actually, it's, it's in the header of every one of my newsletters. You can click on that and hear that. So, uh, anyway, that was the first article. The next article is this free energy uh, zero point energy information. I had several people email me this week regarding this, and the I had not uh, purchased the blueprint plans off the last uh, from the last study. I gave you a link more as an example, more than anything. I hadn't really checked into it enough, and I and I should have checked into it further. Um, but some other people did that and found that it appears most likely to be a scam. Now. This information is valid. Uh, you can go up on YouTube and just do a keyword search for free energy, magnet, motor, and there's, I, I mean, tons of videos up there regarding this. And some of the designs, I think, are better than others, but this would be the single greatest threat to the oil cartel, to the just energy cartel that exists worldwide, if this information became mainstream, because... Literally, the, this information or this concept is not hard. This isn't hard to, to uh, grasp or understand once you see it in action. And as I had said, I really believe the Lord just showed me one night how to build one of these things. My, my design's different than any of the ones I've seen up on the Internet. But they're very similar in concept with a, a lot of them. Some of them uh, are a lot better than others, it appears. But the one company that we had talked about, it appears to be a scam, and that's really no wonder, because they're not going to let something like this become common knowledge. Uh, I have subscribed for, oh my word, probably at least three years, to a newsletter that comes out on a daily basis that gets into all the alternative energy and devices that could be coming out. And the one thing I've always seen about this is that it's always out of grasp. All of these technologies always seem to be out of grasp. Oh, they're going to be coming out in January or, or July of next year. And then you never hear about it. You, you never actually see working things that you can go and buy. Or if they do, they, all, they usually tend to be a total scam. So then that discredits the whole movement. This isn't something where, th- where this should be taking years and years and years to come out with. The concept is simple. And um, if, married, if, if you had strong enough magnets married to um, you know, the right type of motor, we're not talking something that, would, that should be uh, years and years and years in the making. Uh, so I believe that it's being suppressed, and there's been many uh, people that have been assassinated that have come out with ideas like this. The guy that invented, invented the uh, car that runs on water. Um, there's been several people that come out with these types of devices, or devices where we can get like you know 200 miles to the gallon in fuel, and they one of two things happens to them. And I've seen enough documentaries on this, and you can go up on the internet or on YouTube and keys, keyword search in these types of things, and um, you can find it. But they either get bought off 
or assassinated, or their lives are totally ruined and they lose all their funding, this type of thing, so that they're discredited. You know, this, again, this should have been out years and years and years ago, and yet it's totally being suppressed. Now, I'm just going to play a clip from uh, one of the uh, devices that appears to have a lot of uh, promise. I don't believe they're going to let this get out, uh, but the fact remains that this is the case. ...to another good idea and imagine a machine that could power your house for free. Well, that's exactly what two Australian inventors claim they've developed. Using magnets and a battery, their new generator has been described as revolutionary. And foreign investors are lining up for a piece of the action. Chris Allen reports. So, John, this is the machine? Yes, this is it, Chris. What's it capable of? Well, it'll, it'll power a house. This will, the machine will provide, provide sufficient electricity to run a house. Okay, so this is the machine he's showing this reporter. Uh, it's about the size of a uh, like a five-gallon bucket, you know, like a paint bucket. It's about that size, and he's saying it's it's sufficient to power a house. And um, again, you can't really understand uh, by looking at this the concept because it's encased in in these types of things. But a lot of the generators that you'll be able to go up on the on YouTube and look at, you'll understand the concept right away. It's so simple. It really just, mine really has to do just with magnetic repulsion of other magnets, which is just really free energy, and that repulsion exists, and you don't have to gas it up, you don't have to um, put any energy or electricity into it, um, in, at least in my, in my version, but this guy's, I think you have to use a little bit of electricity just to get it started, and then it runs by itself, literally forever, because it's perpetual motion. And have power to burn. It sounds too good to be true, but inventor John Christie is convinced his machine will change the world. So, John, basically you're saying this machine can produce five times as much power as it consumes. Yes, it, it does. This one, exactly as we see it, it does. And, in fact, it can produce more than that. Once kick-started from a battery, John and his partner Lou Britz say this prototype will run for years without stopping, generating 24 kilowatts of power a day. You don't get more revolutionary, I think. I mean, we're talking about something that has the capacity to change the way that the world produces its electric power. It has the capacity to change the way that motor cars are, uh, are propelled. We can, we can replace the combustion engine, in fact. John, these are big claims. Are you sure you can live up to them? We don't really need to live up to them, Chris. What, what the, the technology speaks for itself. I mean, a householder could buy one of these machines and install it in his garage and power his house forever without buying another kilowatt from a retailer. I mean, that's how serious it is. Steve Brassington is an independent electrical engineer. He's seen the machine and backs up everything John says. It's revolutionary. That's the only way to describe it. I think the, um, the technology is not bending physics. It's just using principles um, that I guess are, are commonly in use in power generation today in a different way. These guys have thought outside of the square. Basically, it's magnetic attraction and magnetic repulsion that provide the movement or the moment of the, of the motor. Can you understand why some scientists are sceptical about it? There is no physicist or, or engineer who has looked at our, our um, motor or has looked at our figures who says it doesn't work. 
Lou is an electrician and John a businessman in Cairns in far north Queensland. The two unlikely inventors have been tinkering with their machine for six years. They've applied for an international patent and have been swamped by people wanting a piece of the action. The, uh, here's the coils. We mentioned the coils don't get hot. Local businessman Alex Roma is one of the many offering money to help develop the generator. It proves up to, uh, to be uh, what they say it is. It certainly would be something I'd uh, invest in. John has also spoken to millionaire inventor George Lewin, the man who came up with the Triton workbench and who's now setting up a fund to stop Australian inventions going overseas. There's an opportunity here, I think, to share an invention with the world um, that is beyond anything that we've ever contemplated before. Scientists here at the local university say while they're interested in John's machine, they're also cautious. They say if the machine can generate as much power as John says it can, then they will have to rewrite some of the laws of physics. And they've urged people to be cautious about investing in it until the generator has been independently tested. Anybody who says it doesn't work hasn't seen it or haven't, hasn't looked at our figures. They haven't reviewed it. If they look at it, they'll all agree with us that it does work. John says the household generator should be available in a year and sell for about $5,000. If he's right, it will make him much more. And how much do you think your technology could be worth? I have absolutely no idea. We could be talking about millions of dollars here? Yes. Oh, oh, very definitely talking millions of dollars, but uh, I, uh, I'd hesitate to even take a, a stab at it. Mm, good idea. Okay, so that's the, the video. Uh, again, when, they, when these scientists say they would have to rewrite physics, that is so totally untrue. I mean, if you take two magnets and you, uh, at least in, in my conceptual design that I was shown, uh, you take two south poles, you put them together, they repel. Well, that's energy, if you think about it. That, that is the energy that is repelling one another. That can be harnessed. Now, evidently, he's got a way to, to harness the uh, uh, repulsion and the attraction. Okay? And obviously, this is way more complicated than, than the one I was shown. But the concept is very simple. You would not have to rewrite physics. It's just magnets that we're dealing with. Uh, and so, again, it's not complicated. But um, this information has been uh, and will most likely continue to be suppressed for a long time. Now, this this uh, video was put up on February 13, 2008. So, again, we're well, you know, we're almost two years um, into this, uh, not quite, but almost two years, and again, they said it would be available in a year. Well, I haven't heard a whole lot about it, and I believe that, um, you know, he'll be either bought off, discredited, or, um, you know, the information will be suppressed. Usually somebody that's high profile that has a machine like that, I don't know if they're going to try um, any type of assassination on the guy, hopefully not. But, you know, it could happen. And uh, just wanted to kind of update you on that from last week. And, you know, this is stuff that a lot of times I just don't have the time to research. So uh, for my listeners out there, I know a lot of them are already researching it. Yeah, you know, whatever whatever you find, if, if you think it's valid, you know, let me know. Uh, I have been watching this for years. 
this type of information. And what I always consistently see about this information is that it's always out of reach. It's just right there, but it's always out of reach. And um, no wonder, because of what we had said. So the next article is Coca-Cola leads Copenhagen cheering section for the One World Climate Change Taxes. Coca-Cola is spearheading a coalition of more than 100 companies pushing a United Nations climate treaty to bind the U.S. to cap-and-trade emissions regulation, commit the world's wealthiest nations to a potential $10 trillion in foreign aid, that's where they take away the wealth of the developed nations and give it to the third world countries, and then possibly form a proposed international supergrid for regulating and distributing electric power worldwide. This is why whatever you can do to get off the power grid, it's one more thing that they will not be able to control you with in the future. Okay? So that's why I've, I've recommended to people, you know, whatever you can do to do that. If you have a place that you're going to um, uh, go to when times get rough, if you have something like a travel trailer or a fifth wheel or a motorhome, you know, if you've got solar panels on that and or... Windmills haven't proven to be, are, are a lot harder to use with the motorhomes and that because you have to get them up high enough and a lot of times they create a lot of, uh, because it's very, very hard to keep them uh, uh, stable if they're mounted to like a motorhome or a travel trailer, they can create a lot of movement in, in noise and this type of thing. The solar panels don't do that obviously, but solar isn't cheap either and the company that I have seen, I think, has the best, um, most qualified people regarding this is AM Solar. It's called AM Solar. It's up on the Internet. I researched this quite a bit. And I think for um, they're, they're very high quality, and uh, they're, they don't give you 8,000 different choices um, regarding panel configurations and inverters and things of this nature. They're very uh, straightforward in their recommendations. They've been around for a long time, and their website, to me, I thought was the most well done up there. And they have a uh, an installer, one or I think one or two installers that they can recommend to you um, uh, if you want to have someone do it. And that's what I would advise if you're not if you're not savvy at this. Um, if you're, if you're going to do that, then you're going to want to use a good, somebody that knows how to do it. But there's very few, very, very few. I'm just saying that because, you know, there's going to come a day in time where they're just trying to regulate everything. And the farther you can be off the grid and the more uh, things that you have done to ensure that you have access to, uh, like, drinkable water, food stores, things of this nature, or possibly organic gardening, farming, this types of things... The farther you can be out of the city, most likely, the better. And, you know, the more you have in regard to things stockpiled, the better as well. And I know we're not all in that position, and I know that the Lord Jesus Christ can take care of us in any situation. I'm just saying that um, if you've been shown the information, if you have the capability to prepare, to prepare, I do not believe it's unbiblical to prepare. The Bible says, The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And there's a whole lot of evil coming down the, the pike here. Uh, and we're going to be, we're pretty much, you know, right on the cusp of it right now. So, this Copenhagen Treaty is one of probably the most aggressive things coming down the road right now. Um, regarding this, and we're really seeing, I'm really seeing a big push 
I mean, here we have Coca-Cola. We have the major companies uh, in, in the U.S., there's a hundred of them, that are pushing the United Nations to uh, bind us to this cap-and-trade emissions regulation, which will cause tax rates to just go through the roof, uh, give away uh, you know, the wealth of economic nations to third-world countries, and then now we, we have this proposed supergrid for regulating and distributing ec- uh, electric worldwide power. Whatever you can do to, pro- um, you know, voice your opinion about this, I believe, you know, it's, it's good to do. Because if the Illuminati sees there's no resistance to the movements they're trying to implement, that gives them the green light to implement their draconian ad- agendas even further. Going further with the article, it says, Together with SAP and Siemens Corporations, Coca-Cola launched a website called Hope in Hagen. Get it? It's a play of Copenhagen. It's Hope. Um, leading to the UN Climate Change Conference in Copenhagen, Denmark, which opens December 7th. The website invites the citizens of the world, which is a total New World Order buzzword, citizens of the world to sign a petition demanding world leaders draft binding agreements on climate change and advertises, uh, as of uh, today, there's 16 days left to seal the deal. That was at the time of this writing. Okay. Last week we played you the clip from the little kitties from the World Wildlife Fund where they were singing and, and begging uh, Obama to uh, implement this Copenhagen Treaty, which is one of the most draconian things that, that probably the most draconian treaty that we have ever seen since the conception of America and or any other country in the world. I mean, this thing is just beyond bad. This is absolutely the New World Order uh, coming at us at 100 miles per hour. Going further, it says, Other friends of Hopenhagen include media outlets, Newsweek, Discovery Channel, Huffington Post, Cosmopolitan, 17, these are magazines, The Wall Street Journal, Clear Channel, among others, Internet giants Yahoo, Google, and AOL, and dozens of other companies and organizations. So, just understand that this is not... And I got, I've gotten two emails from concerned Christians saying that they checked with their respective ministry and they said that, that there was nothing to this Copenhagen Treaty. That there's, there's no validity to it. Uh, one of them said it didn't even exist. And yet, it's so easy to verify. And it's all over even the secular uh, news posts. Not to say it's in the front of your newspaper, but this information is easy to find. Okay? And... Uh, Yet they have the audacity to sit back and say, oh, we don't need to worry about that. It's, it's not valid. Nothing will happen. I mean, you talk about a sleep at the switch. But that's the typical example of your modern-day 501c3 corporation that calls themselves a church or a ministry that's doing this. Okay, Not every one of them, but the vast majority. Okay, So, um, yeah, I mean, we've got... We've got the, the major media outlets of the world behind this. So, the primary thing we need to be doing as Christians, if the Lord so leads you, is to pray about this. And I understand that, yes, these things are going to ultimately end up happening, but I also believe we're supposed to resist evil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And the night is coming when no man can work, as Jesus had talked about. And, and um, this is a if this is implemented, this is going to bring great darkness. Uh, the, the night is coming um, on the world, I believe, regarding, and, and most most likely, um, 
you know, they'll end up taking the internet away and these types of things as well. So going further, it says, as World Daily Net reported, Christopher, uh, Lord Christopher Moncton, and I played that clip from him before in previous study, a former science advisor to British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher asserts the real purpose of the UN's meeting in Copenhagen is to use concern over global warming as a pretext to lay the foundation for the one world government. All of this is over the totally bogus false notion of global warning, warming that good old devil boy himself Al Gore ended up setting forth. Now, we played a couple clips, it was either last week or the week before, um, regarding global warming that totally debunk it. There's literally 30,000 scientists right now that would bring a lawsuit against Al Gore um, in order to challenge him on this. But he doesn't want anything to do with any of that. They just want you to accept it blindly and be good sheeple people and just accept whatever is coming. Um, so, this is, um, you know, it's just unbelievable what's going on here. Going further, this uh, Christopher Moncton has warned the proposed Copenhagen Agreement would cede U.S. sovereignty mandate a massive wealth transfer from the United States to pay reparations for climate debt. See, we've, we've created all of this climate debt because we, we have more um, cars per capita and more, let's say, pollution and whatever else they say. So now we've created this climate debt, and we owe this to these third world countries, so they, we are going to have to pay these reparations. This is going to be this wealth and in, in transfer to these nations. Third, the third world people aren't going to see a dime in this, most likely. Oh, they may see it in the form of forced vaccination programs and things of this nature, but they're not going to benefit, they're not going to reap the benefits from this in any way, shape, or form. It's just another lie that they're telling us here. Uh, and then this would also create a new world government to enforce the treaty's provisions. In accepting his appointment as the first president of the European Union, Belgian Prime Minister Herman Van Rompuy announced that global governance is the only way to address the crises that beset the planet. We're living through exceptionally difficult times. This is a quote from him. This is the European Union president, first one. He says, we're living through exceptionally difficult times, the financial crisis and its dramatic impact on employment and budgets, the climate crisis which threatens our very survival, a period of anxiety, uncertainty, and lack of confidence, he said in his maiden press conference. Yet these problems can be overcome through a joint effort between our countries. Uh, 2009 is also the first year of global governance, with the establishment of the G20 in the middle of the financial crisis. The climate conference in Copenhagen is yet another step toward the global management of our planet. I mean, spoken like a true New, new World Order boy. Uh, but that's what his take is on it, and it's, you know, again, I would just say be in prayer about this. And uh, let's go to the next article here. This one is Obama Greenlight's Arab Land Grab. But Israel threatens retaliation if the UN approves Palestinian state. Isn't it funny? The UN seems to be involved in almost every, well, they've been involved in every single article I've talked about so far. And we're going to see more and more and more of this United Nations intervention. Notice, now we're talking about, you know, a Palestinian state. The last one we're talking about this Copenhagen Treaty, which is more of a climate thing. Then the, before that, we're talking about how TBN is, is yoking up with the UN. Uh, we've got, all of these different things, but again, if we were to have a one-world government, political, economic, religion, currency, 
the UN ultimately has to get its slimy tentacles into everything. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. So, this article starts out, um, this is another one from World Daily Net, from Tel Aviv, a top Palestinian authority told World Daily Net that the uh, Palestinian Authority reached an understanding with the Obama administration regarding a Palestinian threat to unilaterally ask, this is unilaterally ask, the United Nations, <coughs> excuse me, the United Nations to recognize a Palestinian state outside of negotiations with Israel. So let's just leave Israel out of this, okay? Now, I'm not sitting here saying Israel's perfect and that there's no such thing as a Zionist conspiracy, okay? I also don't go so far as to say all of Israel is evil and of the, of, of, of the synagogue of Satan, okay? Where a lot of people would just lump all of Israel into that, okay? And I don't believe God's done with Israel either. And I've done several studies on this, so I don't wish to argue with anybody about this. But um, I, I, take, I try to take a balanced biblical view on this particular matter. And... Um, I give you some of the studies at the, actually the end of this. I, I, what I do with my newsletters, just so if nobody's ever accessed them, if there's a topic I'm talking about, I will insert teachings that I have done on this topic at the end of the article to make it a little bit easier for you if you've read something and you're like, wow, I didn't know about that. Well, here, click into my teaching I've done on, a dedicated teaching I've done on this, and you can learn a lot more. And there's also a PDF that's connected with each teaching, and I do, I don't charge for any of this, I just give it away, okay, and um, this is why your, your donations are very um, important to the ministry, because I, I literally, there's nothing um, within the ministry that itself that I'm, I'm charging for, I just give it away, because I, I just really believe that we're in a day and time where this information has to get out, and um, I just want to get out as, as, as much uh, truth and information as we can up until the coming you know, time when most likely we're not going to be able to put this and set this information forth because of some type of worldwide global media blackout that they most likely will impose um, sometime in the near future. And every week's really a gift from God really regarding this because uh, you know, I thought they would have done it a long time ago. So let's go further. Uh, oh, and as far as donations go... At the top of every newsletter that I put out, there's a little link and an address. And then also um, on my homepage on sermonaudio.com forward slash Dr. Scott Johnson. If you scroll down, there's the instructions there and there's also a little green donation box. So anyway, I'm not, I don't want to say anything more about that. Uh, let's go further. So, um, Ahmed Query, former... PA, Prime Minister, meaning Palestinian Authority when I say PA, and member of the Palestinian Liberation Organization Executive Committee said in an interview that the PA reached, quote, reached an understanding with important elements within the administration to possibly bring to the UN Security Council a resolution to unilaterally create a Palestinian state. Asked to which elements he was referring, Query would only say that they were from the Obama administration. Now, I've done a whole teaching, and I posted at the bottom of this, and the teaching is entitled, Obama to Abandon Israel While Embracing the Islamic Nations. Now, a lot of people would say, well, yeah, Israel's this big, terrible, huge bully, and they're doing all this, and they're doing all that. Well, I've done several teachings on that. One on the Gaza Strip. This one 
where we get into that subject in detail. But let me just read this quote from you regarding Israel. Israel is a Jewish nation, one-nineteenth the size of California, and is one of the smallest nations on the face of the earth. With only about 8,000 square miles of landmass, it is roughly two times the size of Rhode Island, which is the United States' smallest state. It's about two times that size. Israel is 260 miles at its longest and has a 112-mile coastline. And it's 60 miles at its widest. In between three and nine, it's only between three and nine miles at its narrowest points. I mean, this is not a big place. The nation of Israel is surrounded by 22 hostile Arab Islamic dictatorships that are 640 times her size and 60 times her population. I mean, I mean, come on, look at look at that that alone. Arab propagandists call Israel expansionist. There is no truth to this statement as Israel occupies one-sixth of one percent of the lands called Arab. Not just one percent, only one-sixth of one percent of the lands called Arab. There are 13 million Jews in the world, almost 5 million fewer than there were in 1939, and there's 300 million Arabs and 1.4 billion Muslims. It is totally insane to look at this situation and say, yes, we've got to take more land from tiny little Israel, okay, and we've got to give it more, we've got to give more land to the Arabs through this Palestinian, and establish a Palestinian state. The only thing that ever happens when they do that is they get closer to, to Israel's cities so they can launch more rockets at them. And then when Israel retaliates, Israel's painted as the bad guy. And let me tell you something else. Matreya, who we've talked about numerous, numerous times when asked about these issues, and Benjamin Krem, his false prophet, are absolutely 100% on the side of the Muslim Islam extremists. And they commend Yasser Arafat, that devil. Um, and we, we talked about that in one of the previous studies, that he was such a man of peace and of this nature. So again, I'm not saying Israel's perfect. I'm not saying there's not... Uh, high level, what you would call Zionist, at the highest levels of the Illuminati. But I'm not going to lump all of the Jewish and all of Israel in with them. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Revelation in 7 and 14 are very clear that, you know, on the 144 Jewish male virgins that God seals and he gives them by tribe, that he's not done with the Jews. Okay, so um, we're not supposed to. As, as, as it says in Romans, we're not supposed against, uh, to boast against the natural branches we're grafted into. We're, we're, uh, um, Gentiles are as a wild olive branch that's grafted into um, the, true, the true vine, Jesus Christ. Okay? So, and again, I've done teachings on that as well. I don't want to go too far down these rabbit trails. So, um, Anyway, if you want to know more about that issue, just go up to sermonaudio.com forward slash Dr. Scott Johnson, just D-R-S-C-O-T-T Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, and um, just key in, if you want to know more about the Muslims, key in that. Muslim or Islam are just part of the word, you'll find it. Or if you want to know more about the Jews, you can key in that. I've done several studies uh, where we've talked about both uh, subjects here. And uh, I just think it's important we have biblical balance when dealing with this, because... Um, you know, this is, we're right on the cusp of this Palestinian state, it looks like. 
Let's see here. Top PA negotiator speaking on the condition of anonymity named the U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Susan Rice, and National Security Council member Samantha Power as among the Obama administration's officials who were involved with the Palestinians' U.N. threat. Despite widespread assumptions the U.S. would veto any such U.N. Council resolution, the PA negotiator said that in initial discussions, the Obama administration did not threaten to veto their conceptual unilateral resolution. Well, I mean, Obama's a Muslim. That's where his first allegiance is to. I mean, we, hopefully we prove that. And yes, I understand. I understand. He's part of the Illuminati, and he's a puppet on a string. But he was raised a Muslim. Okay? And you, just don't, you just don't come out of the Muslim religion and, you know, kind of, you know, play musical chair religions. Normally, you know, that, that's a very, very serious, serious thing if you're part of that. And if you're raised in it, if you're raised in that death cult Allah-worshipping moon god mentality, because that's all Allah is, is the moon god. He's not the god of the Bible. If you're raised in that, you know, those same demons and devils that emanate and operate through that false religion indwell you and influence your thinking patterns. So this really shouldn't be any, any surprise here that Obama's on board with this. The PA negotiator, World Daily Net, spoke with yesterday, said that his authority's primary goal now is to secure a letter of support from the Obama administration, affirming the U.S. the U.S.'s commitment to a pre-1967 Palestinian state within two years. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday hit back at the PA, plan to unilaterally declare a state, warning such a move would be met by a one-sided Israeli measures but he did not elaborate. So, you know, I understand tensions have been high there for years, okay, literally decades, but uh, I believe that with a lot of the things that we have coming down the road that we've talked about in, you know, previous teachings, a lot of this may be implemented at the same time, and this may be implemented in conjunction and may foment what we would call World War III. And, been postulated by many of the New Agers that um, out of the ashes of World War III, and I mean many Christians by looking at this information, out of the ashes of World War III will come the Antichrist to the world, and he's going to be the one that is going to come as a man of peace, and he's going to be able to seem the one to be the one that can get both the Palestinians and um, Israel both on the same page. Now, Maitreya claims to be the coming one world Messiah to the Jews and Imam Mahdi to the Muslims. He also claims to be the fifth Buddha to the Buddhists and the Krishna to the Hindus and um, uh, the Christ to Christians. So he's everything rolled up in one package. That's what he self-professes. If there were anyone that could get the Muslims, the Islamic movement, the Arabs on the same page as the Jews... Maitreya is the only one that could really pull that off. I mean, and again, I don't want to be super dogmatic saying he has to be the Antichrist, okay? But he seems to be the most likely candidate from from this angle I've looked at. And um, uh, I can't see a better person to fit that bill. And we're going to talk more about this uh, a little bit later. We're going to talk about, actually, uh, why don't we do that next? Because this would be a better segue. I'm going to come back to this one on the Legion movie. And we're going to talk about this next article which is entitled, The Jews Raise Millions to Be Ready for the Coming Messiah Antichrist. This is just from November 14th. Uh, this is from uh, Lady Jason, or uh, 
man, I'm sorry, Jason Kutsoikis, Herald Correspondent. This is from Jerusalem, and it's Yehuda Glick, a 44-year-old American-born Jew who spends most of every day preparing for the arrival of the Messiah in Jerusalem since he became the executive director of the Temple Institute. Now, you can go up on the internet and you can keyword search in Temple Institute. And you can get on their email list. I'm on it. And most, the vast majority of what they put out is a bunch of garbage. But I like to keep an eye on them because they're the ones at the literal spear tip of rebuilding the third temple. I mean, these are, this is, if you want to know about rebuilding the third temple, they're at ground zero. Um, and not only rebuilding the third temple, but all the implements that are going to go into the third temple, um, many of them, you know, as described by the Bible, the, that were the, the same implements that were in the the, um, the temples that the Bible had talked about. Okay, but this is the third temple. This is different. And um, let's see here. He supervises, Mr. Glick's main task has been to supervise the manufacture of utensils the high priest will need when the day arrives. Crowns and other instruments made of solid gold fill glass cases in the Temple Institute Museum in Jerusalem's old city. Other artifacts include an array of copper urns, trumpets made of silver, garments to be worn by the high priest, woven from golden thread, musical instruments. I I read the story a while back where it said they'd figured out how to make these garments without a seam in them. And I think that's the way the Bible describes them, where they actually have garments made without seams. And it took some incredibly complex, complex uh, computer program to do this. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there. Musical instruments, including handmade harps and lyres. Um, let's see here. Uh, ready to be brought to life upon the Messiah's appearance. So they're waiting for the Messiah, the imminent return of the Jewish Messiah. You have to understand that's a very important issue to them. Just like the Arabs, well, I shouldn't really say the Arabs, the Muslim Islamic of that religion. Okay, Just like they're waiting for the return of Imam Mahdi, who they call Imam Mahdi, who is their Messiah and Savior. And it's really funny because they believe that when Imam Mahdi comes back, he's coming back with Jesus Christ as his lieutenant. And I read you the quote from before, it was one or two teachings ago, and I've done several teachings on Maitreya and what this character called Master Jesus, and we're going to talk more about him later, who's essentially what they're calling themselves to be an ascended master. So, you know, the Quran doesn't speak um, um, all these evil things about Jesus Christ. They're expecting Imam Mahdi to come back with Jesus. Now, obviously, they, they put Allah, Allah or Imam Mahdi at a much higher level than Jesus Christ. But, just bear in mind, that's most likely going to be part of the deception. Um, so let's go further. And so what can we expect from this momentous, momentous event when the, uh, anti, or the Messiah, who will be the Antichrist, comes? Mr. Glick said, that's a very good question. All that we know is that we are now living in the age of miracles. Now, understand, this is this main thing this man's looking at that's the head of the Temple Institute. When he says, when they ask him the question, what can we expect from this momentous event? Okay, when, when this Messiah, quote Messiah, makes his appearance. What he says, the thing that he emphasizes is this. All that we know is that we are now living in the age of miracles. And, and of those, all of those miracles are predicted in the book. 
evidently he's referring to the Bible, as happening on the eve of the end of days. It could well be tomorrow. It might be another hundred years, or even four hundred. I don't think he believes that. I'm sorry, I don't think he believes it's going to be another hundred or four hundred. Now, let me read you some Bible verses that relate to this, so that we can ground ourselves in Scripture. Revelation 13.11 said, And I beheld another beast come up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him. And causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, who is the Antichrist. Okay, this, this other beast is the false prophet. Okay, So he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Revelation 13, 13 uh, says, And he doeth great wonders, this is the false prophet, so that he maketh fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, the first beast they're in reference to here, the Antichrist. So the, so the false prophet is going to do these, these miracles, and that is going to deceive them that dwell upon the earth. This is going to be the chief way that people are deceived on the planet. And it's the very thing this Mr. Glick from the Temple Institute is pointing to. Isn't that kind of a funny coincidence here? That's the very thing that they're waiting for. Now let's go to 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity, iniquity meaning like a type of, uh, you know, like sin, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. What this implies is that this restraining force from the Lord Jesus Christ that is, when it's taken out of the way, then what happens? Well, the next verse tells you, and then shall that wicked be revealed. So in other words, when this restraining force of the mystery of iniquity is taken out of the way, then shall that wicked now, wicked is with a capital W. This is regarding the Antichrist, and if you, if we had, if we started at the very top of this chapter, you know that would also be apparent as well. But then that wicked shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Okay, so when Jesus comes back on a white horse, you know, and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he's going to have a, the sword of the Spirit is in his mouth, literally. He is going to destroy that wicked, the Antichrist, with the brightness of his coming and the spirit of his mouth, according to Revelation. So, uh, next verse, 2 Thessalonians 2 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power in signs and lying wonders. Okay, here we go again with confirmation from Revelation that when the Antichrist, this wicked, makes his arrival, he's going to come after the work of Satan, and what is his, the main earmark, the main thing that's going to mark him is with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And we're in a, uh, oh, environment today where the religions, particularly like the Catholic religions, as far as, I guess you'd call pseudo-Christianity, are absolutely obsessed with miracles and signs and wonders. Jesus Christ said that a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And he's very clear on that. This is not something that, that we should be going out and basing our 
our faith and our life. We need to be basing it on the Word of God, the King James Bible, not on uh, lying signs and wonders. Okay, Because what do you get into there? Well, you get into your heart. And the heart, when you see a sign or a wonder, you know, you're, you're moved from a feelings type of standpoint. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. And there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. So, um, this is something that the line signs and wonders, people are going to be moved and they're primarily going to be following their heart, which is exactly what the world tells you to do. Okay? So the next verse, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.10, And with all deceivableness of un- in unrighteousness, I'm sorry, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth. So in other words, the people that embrace the power of the signs and the lying wonders of the Antichrist, they're going to be deceived, and they're going to perish. Why? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Okay. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We are, All we hear from the world, we'll hear the world quote that verse. Oh, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. No, you need to read the verse before it. If you continue in my word... See, this is how we garner and gain truth. This is how we, we're not deceived. By dwelling on His Word, by memorizing Scripture, by you know praying and fasting and these types of things and, and um, meditating on His Word. So, this is something that's coming. It's obvious that it's coming and this is just more confirmation of that. And then verse Second uh, Thessalonians 2.11 says, And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. See, God's going to let the Antichrist come with all power, lying, signs, and wonders. It's not like it's taking God by surprise. God, it says here that God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, again, this is something that the Bible's very, very clear on. Um, that's going to happen. Going back to this article from the uh, Temple Institute... It says, we were in the quarter cafe in the Jewish sector of Jerusalem's old city, high on an embankment that overlooks the most contested religious site on earth. Jews call it the Temple Mount, or Mount Moriah, and believe it to be the site of the foundation stone, the Holy of Holies, from where God gathered the dust to create Abraham. Muslims call it Harim al-Sharif, or the Noble Sanctuary, and believe it to be the third holiest site from it in Islam, where the prophet Muhammad ascended to heaven. Oh, you mean Muhammad, the little, the one that had all these child brides and was a child molester? Yeah, that's the same one, where he ascended to heaven. What a lie from the pit of hell that is. And then it goes on to say, to, to Jews, the Temple Mount is also the site of the first temple built by King Solomon. After it was destroyed, a second temple was built around 500 B.C. and stood for 500 years before the Romans destroyed it. Their religion holds that a third temple will be built upon the arrival of the Messiah. That is why we have engaged two architects, Mr. Glick said. It will be a modern building with car parks, elevators, but it will look very much like the second temple. The Temple Institute Museum contains a large-scale model of what the third temple will look like. They've already got they've already got all this planned out. I mean, they're ready to go here. And they've got plenty of money behind them, and we're going to see that in a second. Um, 
its main building will be set to reach a height of 60 meters. Today, the Temple Mount is dominated by the Al-Asq Mosque and the gold-top Dome of the Rock. Alaska can stay, says Mr. Glick. I was kind of surprised he said that, but then again, it really shouldn't surprise me, because there's some that say uh, they're going to blow the Dome of the Rock off the Temple Mount, and that's going to incite World War III. That may happen. Who knows? I mean, it's hard to be dogmatic about all these issues. All I'm really trying to do is present, you know, give you the information, and, you know, you can pray about it and make up your own mind. But again, it's unless, um, you know, we just don't know the future exactly how that's going to play out. So let's go further. So they're saying Alaska can stay, Mr. Glick said, pointing to the mosque. Then he goes on to say, it's not even on the Temple Mount proper, but we intend to just build over the Dome of the Rock. We might be able to find a way to include it in the Third Temple. Now, how blasphemous. I mean, if they were really following the true religion of, you know, the Jews... Okay, a monotheistic religion where they worship, I mean, I, and I know it's strayed way far from that, okay? But if they were really being true to that, why would they let the Dome of the Rock stay? Why would they let Alaska Moss stay? Why, I, I don't understand that. I mean, it's, this just goes to show you how, how apostate, they're, they're, you know, the kind of apostasy that they're in, the, the let's say, Orthodox Jews as well, Okay. They're going to possibly try to include this in the third temple. Now, this is a religion that has been the Quran that teaches, and we're going to be looking at some of the verses that come out of the Quran that teaches that they are supposed to slay the Jews primarily and the Christians. They're supposed to destroy them, and that they view them as infidels, which means unbelievers in Islam, and that their duty is to have holy jihad, which is holy war, against us. And yet you would include this into the third temple? Let's go further. Mr. Glick envisions a house of prayer open to all believers in the monotheistic faiths, Christians, Muslims, or Jews. So, they're right on board with the New World Order coming one world religion, which at its essence will be witchcraft, or Babylonian mystery religions, and or theosophy, as we've talked about in previous weeks. That's going to be the essence of this. It's going to be an amalgamation of all of these different... um, false religious faiths. Okay, uh, The Temple Institute has become a fixture on American evangelical tours of Israel. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to go in and see what they're doing, but let's, let's go further. Thanks largely due to their donations. These are the U.S. American evangelical tours, and many of them are sponsored by people like Paul and Jan Crouch and Benny Hinn, you know, come with us to the Holy Land and, and this and that. These people are, it says, thanks largely to their donations of Americans, of evangelical Christians. It has so far spent $27 million on preparations, Mr. Glick said. And that's in large part due to the American Christians, evangelical Christians giving to this. Mr. Glick said there are 70 million evangelical Christians around the world, and most of them have become Israel's strongest supporters. Now again, I told you, I take a balanced, try to take a balanced viewpoint on that. But the last thing you're going to see me doing is sending a, a donation to the Temple Institute or to any type of temple rebuilding fund. You're, you're going to be rebuilding the temple for Antichrist. Don't they understand that? I mean, it's so obvious I mean, unless they think that 
who's ever going to show up is actually going to really be the Christ or the Messiah. And then I can see, you know, I mean, maybe they're, it's hard to understand their thinking when the Bible's so clear on that issue. But, uh, I mean, dominionists, which a lot of the Pentecostals are that I would believe support this, they believe that things are just going to get better and better and better, so much better that Jesus Christ is going to just have to come back and set up his kingdom here in the world because they're, they've done such a wonderful job preparing the way. And yet the churches stand silent over these types of issues that we talk about for the most part. These are issues you're not going to typically hear in the standard uh, 501c3 corporate institution of America and or worldwide. Not to say that I'm so much better and, and I've got everything figured out. I'm just saying they're not warning the congregations. They're hirelings for the most part. They have no true love for the sheep. If you're a hireling, you do it for the money. You do it for the hire. But the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep, as the Bible talks about. He's not going to mince words. And we're supposed to be, um, particularly if you're of a watchman, if you see the sword coming to the city and you don't warn the city, you know, the Bible talks about in Ezekiel 3 and 33 that their blood will be required at the watchman's hands. So that's all I call myself as a watchman. I'm just trying to warn people here about things that are so totally blatantly obvious. And if you look at this in totality based on all the other teachings that I've done, hopefully it's crystal clear to you what's what's happening here. And it's unbelievable. Um, John Hagee's one of the main ones that, that um, has had uh, donated money and his people have donated money in order to get the uh, in order to get this stuff type of stuff going that we're talking about today here. I mean actually giving money to have the third temple rebuilt that the Antichrist is going to occupy. It's pretty bad. And they're saying right here it's not going to be about Christianity. It's going to be a house of prayer for all nations. This is going to be the coming essence of the New World Order religion that's coming. So it's an absolute total abomination to God. And um, anyway, just unbelievable stuff. Oh, let's go back to the, the one on this movie Legion. And this is entitled The Entertainment Industry's War Against God. Legion Exposed. The movie Legion is yet another example of how the movies created by Hollywood are promoting rebellion against God and turning the masses away from the true loving God by making evil look good and good evil. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isaiah 5.20. So I'm going to play you this clip here, and uh, this is just, just sickening absolute, another sickening example of what's coming out of Hollywood. In Legion, we have one of the most blasphemous and deceptive movies to ever be propagated on the general public. If there was ever a movie that illustrates God's warning that the wicked would put darkness for light and light for darkness, Legion is that movie. Legion begins by letting the audience know that the movie is supposed to be about the end of days recorded in Holy Scripture. It begins with a woman sharing how her mother warned her about the impending fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And the world would be covered with darkness and God would judge humanity for its sin. When I was a little girl, my mother spoke of a prophecy of a time when all the world would be covered in darkness and the fate of mankind would be decided. She said God had changed. He was mad at his children. Charlie, is it? Yeah. How far along are you? Ah, just about there. But a baby just gonna burn. Oh, oh. So there's this supposedly sweet little old lady that comes in in a walker into this cafe in this place called Paradise Falls. Get it? Paradise Falls? Well, anyway, 
Um, and she's talking to the waitress, and she's asking about her baby, and then she says, "Oh, your baby's gonna burn." Now, this is the one. This is the woman. This this so sweet, supposed um, looking old uh, lady here is the one that's portrayed as the Christian. Okay, at least in this particular instance in the movie. Okay, so we'll play the rest. What? I'd like you to apologize. So, the woman then turns into this demon-possessed, black-eyed bean that I talked about before. I've talked about the black-eyed beans, B-E-I-N-G-S. She go, Her eyes go totally black. She she goes nuts. And then all of a sudden, she doesn't need her walker. She's walking all over the... I mean, she literally walks up the walls, on the roof, lunges this guy. Looks like she takes a, a bite out of him. She's got blood all over her. That's how they want to portray... The Christians in this particular movie—that's that's the the satanic propaganda that we're going to be seeing more and more of. Scott Stewart admitted that before he did a rewrite of the script, he read a guide to the biblical book of Revelation. A man I interviewed who worked on the movie itself stated that Scott Stewart purposely inverted portions of the biblical narrative. Stewart turned. See, he inverted portions of the biblical. I'd say inverted at all. It's just about. But he inverted. He twisted. He he actually presented the opposite view of the book of Revelation in many of the instances of this movie. God into the devil, Satan into the Archangel Michael, Christians into possessed murderers, and the Antichrist into the Savior of the world. In the movie Legion, the Archangel Michael, like Satan himself, is depicted as rebelling against God. Michael is depicted as removing a dog collar from his neck, which Legion director Scott Stewart states is, quote, like our heavenly lojack, end quote. The Archangel Michael is then depicted as cutting off his angelic wings and defying God by screaming into the heavens. Michael is then shown going on a murderous rampage as he breaks into a warehouse, stealing several weapons and killing police officers. Michael tells us that he betrayed God because he couldn't carry out God's orders. Michael states, quote, I was a soldier, a general in his army. He goes on to say, I was given an order I didn't believe in. So I had a choice, betray myself or betray him. Sometimes we have to face the thing we fear the most in order to be free of it, end quote. Contrary to the Archangel Michael doesn't fight against God, but is the one who the book of Revelation in chapter 12 reveals, casts Satan and his angels to the earth during the tribulation period. It is not long into the movie before we find out that Michael's mission is to protect a pregnant woman in a diner appropriately called Paradise Falls. Now the angels, it appears as though the good angels in this movie are portrayed really dressed essentially in like like this black armor with black wings. Okay. Um, angels in the Bible, uh, the, the, and I'm not talking about cherubim or seraphim, which actually have wings, but angels in the Bible will always appear, good angels always appear and manifest as men without wings. Every single time in the Bible. I've done a whole study on this where we talk about women angels with wings and halos. You can just do, uh, just key in this keyword search for angels in the search box on uh, Sermon Audio under Scott A. Johnson, and you'll find that, uh, that teaching. It's not a really long teaching, but where the Bible does talk about women angels, it is referred to as wickedness. Women angels actually with wings, and it's associated with Shinar in Babylon and wickedness. So this is the only biblical precedent we really have for women angels with wings, and the Bible is very clear. The angel says, the, the angel, I believe talking to Ezekiel, says this is wickedness. So um, whenever we see 
um, you know, men angels depicted with wings. I do not believe that's a biblical depiction. I believe this is something that, again, Satan has given us. Anything that has to do with religious symbology. The Bible says that the Godhead is not like that of graven art and of gold and silver and precious stones. We're not supposed to try to depict the Godhead in religious symbology. Whether it's having these pictures of supposedly Jesus that we're going to be talking about a little bit later, um, and many of the other symbols that we think are actually holy, many times they're very unholy. And we've talked about that in other teachings that we've done here. But let's go further here with the little clip. No, not you. Why me? Because your child is the only hope humanity has of surviving. By protecting her baby boy, the fallen angel states, quote, he will have a chance to grow up, a chance to lead the world out of darkness, end quote. Of course, this chosen child who is to defy God and is cast as a messianic figure is revealed in the Bible as the Antichrist and in the book of Revelation as the beast who will deceive humanity into waging war against God at Armageddon. Okay, so again, Michael the Archangel falls, which is totally unbiblical. And then he goes over to, uh, I guess you call it the dark side, but in, in this movie it's depicted as the good guys. And he goes to guard this woman in the diner that this uh, demon-possessed little granny Christian lady had already uh, come up to and said that your baby's going to burn. So he goes to her and says, I've got to protect your baby because he's, he's the only hope for all of humanity, all this bunch of garbage. Jesus Christ, who already came, is our only hope. Our only hope of salvation, our only hope, period. Okay, as a true born-again Bible-believing Christian. But this is how Hollywood always tries to portray things that there's going to be, you know, either some person or group of individuals or whatever that are going to save all of humanity. Or whether, you know, the aliens, you know, they've got so many angles they try to present here. So it's a total lie and twisting of scripture. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so twisted, it's almost comical from, from a biblical standpoint. I mean, it has, you know, it's just a joke from that standpoint. But it's it's also very wicked. Just as the movie Legion cast God and his holy angels as evil, it also cast Christians as evil as well. Michael states that the weak will who are associated with Christians are vessels who are possessed by God's angels. At one point in the movie, there's an old lady who is called a Jesus freak by the mother of the one bearing the Antichrist. She's depicted as possessed by God's angels and transformed into a maniacal murderer. Jesus Christ himself revealed in the book of Revelation that when he returns, it won't be as a baby in some desert. <laughs> this woman, this, this old lady who they portray as the Christian, who goes into a black-eyed bean and rips this guy's throat out with her teeth, she, she gets into full bug mode and starts crawling up the wall and then even the roof. So, you know, she really gets agile toward there, toward the end there. But again, this is, then they gotta blow her off the, off the roof with a shotgun, you know, essentially to get rid of her. Um, again, it's a total twisting, of, of everything biblical and just just unbelievable blasphemy. In some diner, but in the clouds of glory to judge the Christ rejected world, the living and the dead. Okay, so that was the uh, that was the end of that little clip there. And uh, you know, I think we've said enough about that. We don't really need to go any further down that rabbit trail. Um, very, very apparent what's going on there. The next article we're going to be talking about, actually, let's go ahead and go to the next part of our study, because we're just about out of time for this one. God bless you.